Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S. from Oklahoma, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August the 3rd. Today we are reading through, or reading from the big book, and we're going to be on page 78, second paragraph, starting with most alcoholics owe money. We're going to read through three paragraphs, ending with we must not shrink at anything, and we'll be having comments on all three. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Joanne L., 12 traditions, Anita L., and the readers of the text will be Robin S., Rebecca B., and Lauren N., The reference number or share IDs uh, for Wednesday, yesterday, August 2nd, are for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 10230, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Meeting is 10232. All right, OA Preamble. O Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Joanne L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service. Joanne L. from Rhode Island Recovered. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly omitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. In 12. 
Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. When I pass. Thank you, Joanne L. And next, I will have Anita L. read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately 3 minutes, not 33 minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book means to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We're going to be on page 78. We're going to start on the second paragraph there that says, Most alcoholics owe money. 
then we're going to be reading through three paragraphs ending over on 79 it says we must not shrink at anything and comments will be on all three paragraphs and i will ask robin ask us to begin reading thank you kelly Good morning, Thank everyone. You. My name is Robin S., and I am a newly recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we are trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory it may cause financial harm. Approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we are sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We have already admitted this in confidence to another person, but we are sure we would be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense, such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we are divorced and have remarried, but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. She is indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble too. Although these reparations take innumerable forms, there are some general principles which we find guiding. Reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience, we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing no matter what the personal consequences may be. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. Each day, I'm truly amazed at how this big book speaks directly to me, how it seems to know everything there is to know about me and in particular the things that I had repressed, especially the deep, dark secrets that I had hoped to keep and take to the grave with me. So in the first two lines of this morning's reading, I'm once again whacked with, yes, Robin, the big book is talking directly to you again. Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. I had never given much thought before to my past harms and self-seeking behaviors until recently being taken through the steps with my sponsor and listening for the past few months to all of you share your experience, strength, and hope, which helps give me the willingness and the courage to look deep into myself and dig up my past destructive and harmful actions. And just last week, I was able to make an amends and offer an apology to a dear cousin of mine who I love very much. Over 30 years ago, I worked in his supermarket where I helped myself to pastries and cookies and candy and soda and anything else that I felt like eating while I was there. I never gave it much thought before then until 
I was asked to make a list of people that I had harmed. And then I finally acknowledged to myself that I had stolen from him. I was extremely embarrassed to have to face with him and tell him what I had done. There was this nagging feeling in me for a while that it really wasn't such a big deal. It had happened such a long time ago. Was it really worth dredging it all up now? And I had a lot of fear thinking about what I was going to say to him and how I was going to face him eyeball to eyeball and tell him what I had done. But, but I've heard the question on this line over and over again that has really resonated with me. How free do you want to be, Robin? So last week, with God's help, I made the amends to my cousin. I asked God to give me the strength and the direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. And he did. He gave me the right time and place and the words to use to humbly ask for my cousin's forgiveness. I also made restitution to my cousin and paid him back the money that I owed him based on today's inflation rates. And my cousin was gracious and accepted my apology and amends. And he even kidded me and said that he had wished I had eaten more. So a great weight has been lifted from me and I feel at peace about this situation today. And hopefully my sharing this experience will benefit someone here today. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Robin S. Okay, we will now open the lines for sharing. Who would like to share on the paragraphs that were just read? Maddie from Boston, Katie G. Virginia C. Madam. Okay, wait a minute. Here's who I have so far. Matt M. Tina S, Katie G, and Larry K. Did I miss? Virginia C. Julie Virginia R. C. Julie R. Well, let's stop there. So again, our lineup will be Matt M, Tina S, Katie G, Larry K, Virginia C, and Julie R. So if you all remute, your line with star one. We'll start with Matt M, followed by Tina S. Good morning, Matt. Thank you for your service tonight. This is Matt M from Florida Eater from New Jersey. Uh, I've had a lot of creditors over the years that I, I have, don't have the money to pay them. I especially owe my uncle over $11,000, and my relationship has gone strained from him, estranged a little bit. And I want to confront him and talk to him about it. It's like, listen, I want to just tell him, like, I don't have the money to pay him back. I even if I, I get, I'm looking for work right now. I'm trying to get a part-time job, and, like, no one's hiring me in the area where I work. I just have to walk everywhere. I don't drive or take a bus, which is down the street from me. So it's very difficult right now, and I'm, I'm looking to. I want to make these amends, but I'm unable to right now. But I have to call my creditors eventually and tell them, listen, maybe we can work something out. But I don't have the money right now. I really, literally, don't have it. And um, it does say, reminding ourselves, we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. We have to be given the strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences. That's the ninth-step prayer, and I try to say that every day when I get phone calls from creditors and stuff like that. But sometimes some of them I've been honest with, I said, listen, I don't have the money for you. I wish if I did, I'd pay it back right now, but I don't. It's difficult for me to say that because I want to clear my slate as much as I can. And it's uh, something that I don't like. I feel embarrassed, but I'm not eating over it. I refuse to eat over it because I want to get I want to get and stay recovered one day at a time. So I'll just have to take each thing as it comes and see who will be willing to work with me and who's not willing to work with me. I'll let that will pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Matt. And also, I think I might have heard Kim G. Did I hear Katie G or Kim G? Or did I hear both of you? You did hear Katie G. I don't know if you heard Kim G, but you did hear <laughs> Katie G. Okay. Um, anyway, sorry about that. Let's uh, move on with Tina S., and then we'll follow with Katie. Thanks, Kelly, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Uh, you know, this is some great stuff. Every time I read it, it really takes me back and it keeps me accountable for today, for sure, for sure. Because it says, you know, that we go to any lengths for a spiritual experience. And, you know, once I finally came here and realized that really what I wanted to do was to change and to have this spiritual awakening, uh, I was able to do some stuff. You know, initially I didn't come here to, to find God or any of that other stuff. I came here for a thin body and, and a free mind. And what I got was uh, way beyond my wildest dreams. But, you know, I shared the other day that, you know, uh, years ago I had made my initial amends. And um, it was, the first part of it was really crazy because I had a plan. Well, you know, God laughs when Tina has a plan. But for these um, financial amends, it says most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. I had moved uh, from to Florida from Pennsylvania when I first got abstinent in 1987. And, and so, you know, I, I thought, well, I moved to Florida, so I left all my financial men's in Pennsylvania, and how are they going to find me, you know? And, and you know, and the, for the fog to lift initially when I was going through the steps, I was like, I don't even know how to find these people and stuff like that. But what my sponsor told me was, you know, my job is to become willing to make amends, and God would present the opportunity. And this was a great example for me because I worked in a pharmacy at the time, and my real name's Tristina. I go by Tina, but my real name is Tristina. Tristina. And one day I get this phone call for Tristina Salco. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, nobody ever really calls me my first name unless I'm in trouble from a childhood day. But, you know, what happened was some people, call, uh, a person called that I had consolidated loans with back in Pennsylvania. And I did not reach out to this person, but they re they found me somehow to get their money back for sure. But this was a freeing thing for me. I was able to do exactly what it talked about. You know, I was able to make the best deal I could at that time to take care of those amends. And I, what I paid was probably, I don't know, $10, $20 a month. But I was able to take care of my debt. And this started the promise for me of fear of financial insecurity will leave me. And that happened through that action that God presented. And um, with that, I'll pass. But a great deal. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Next will be Katie G, followed by Larry K. Hey, Kelly, can I be heard? Yes, you can. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. Hello. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic, starting my timer in Boston. Yeah, so money blocks me from a spiritual experience. Like, what is that? I had no idea. And the ways in which I thought people owed me, like my dad and mom got divorced. So don't you know that when I stopped drinking that it's too hard for me as a 20-year-old to work a job and get sober, Dad? Like, you owe me this money. And um, I spent years living on entitlement of you owe me. And when I went to make amends, what I was so blessed with is sponsors who said to me, yeah, Katie, you think you have, don't have the money. Let's look at your budget. How much money are you spending a year on your hair? Okay, well, maybe you need to take a break from that. How about anything else that you're spending money on? Like, obviously not food, but like, why are you going out and buying new clothes 
when you owe money. That's not your money. And most importantly, God is my source of money. Um, and one time, so I, um, I, uh, my dad was not somebody who was willing to take money from me because of the way he is, right? So my sponsor and I figured out a way to make a donation. Um, I was very dishonest at work, wasting time, um, you know, clocking in and, and doing, pretending to do work and doing everything, you know, in the name of program, doing other things, um, you know, staring off into space, going on Facebook. And I calculated how much money I owed. Um, and I could have gone to jail, okay? So, and I also didn't have, you know, $10,000. And so my sponsor and I devised a plan in which I would spend, you know, a certain amount of money. And then I would pay back my company with my time. And I was accountable to her around that. Uh, not clocking in, but getting to work early. And what's interesting is you always learn, like I keep hearing from you guys, like we continue to learn, right? So I made the amend with work and I didn't consult my husband. I didn't go to him and say, I'm going to go write a check for $3,000 because I was still in that mind frame of my money, right? And so I made the amend and then told my husband. And in the process of making an amend to my husband, I'm recognizing how I, I was naturally unmindful of the welfare of my husband. And I made an, I had to make an amend for making an amend. Like this stuff gets really messy because of my, not because of other people, but because of my distorted thinking. And today, thanks be to God, I, you know, for a long time, I clocked in to a, a job and it taught me and I put my time on a timesheet sheet now. And I, I put, you know, 535 or whatever it is. So, I mean, you know, I'm not perfect. Like a couple months ago, I said, husband, I spent more money than we agreed on. But what is so important, and I'll close this with this, is anything, money, whatever it is that blocks me from God will lead me back to, to the food if I don't get honest, open, and willing immediately. So I just keep showing up, learning from all of you, and I'm going to keep doing it one more day without I pass. And thank you. Thank you, Katie G. Next up is Larry K. followed by Virginia C. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great, Larry. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Larry K. Recovered Compulsory Reader from Chicago. You know, it, it talks about, I guess I'll focus on a, a couple of different things. Most alcoholics owe money. So we're, we have that alcoholic mind. We're not, we're not unique. We, we, we probably owe some money. I know I did. The other thing that it focuses on is uh, that, you know, we're liable to drink if we fail to face them. We fail to face these people. I was looking for ways in which to possibly make amends. First, I'm not going to make those financial amends unless I have the money to do it. Of course, I always was the arbiter, the judge, the jury, the executioner of, of myself in making those decisions. I wasn't looking to a higher power to guide me through that process. And so I continued to pick up food. And I always thought maybe it's the, the, the seasoning salt I'm using. You know, <laughs> what are you kidding? Are you kidding, Larry? You're coming down to your food plan? You haven't even taken step one. This is so much more than about a food plan. Certainly we put our heroin down, right? We put our food down. But it talks about, you know, we are willing, we have to be, we must not shrink at anything. I can remember making a financial amend. I, I had some sticky fingers back in the day. I would take money from the cash register. I wouldn't want anyone to see that or to know about that. I thought I would take that one to my grave. I only wanted you to know that I was a clinical psychologist 
maybe you'd have some admiration for me. I didn't want you to know that I was a clinical psychologist who also stole money. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want you to know about that. See, so I had a lot of work to do. This was so much more about the amount. This was so much more. It's like, it's like it wasn't about the dollars, nor was it about the point ones of chicken on your digital, on your, on your digital scale. You, do you see the parallel? I had it all backwards. This was really about getting to a point in this process, this sequential process of recovery in the steps, where I would be brought into alignment with the God of my understanding. I would be changed in a way, not rendered perfect. You'll never be sprinkled with pixie dust made perfect, but you'll be changed so you don't behave and think the way you used to think. So making financial amends for me was a big part of that, and to, and to face them rather than look for an easier way. That was very powerful. It was very humbling. It wasn't humiliating as much as it was, it was humbling. I needed to face those people, let them know what I'm driving at, you know, make terms whatever I could, never shrink from it. Then God would come to me through those wounds, through those emotional wounds. That's what this is about. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Next up is Virginia C., followed by Julie R. Virginia C. Press Hi, this is Vir- Hi, thank you. Hi, this is Virginia C. You know, I, I love when we get to this paragraph because it just, it always reminds me of a miracle that happened in my life that has forever strengthened my belief that God will take care of me. And I, and I just, I, I just feel compelled. I don't know if I've ever shared this on the line. I think I've shared it with individuals, but I don't think I've told this story on the line. When I um, was a teenager, I stole, I mean, at a criminal level, um, to the tune I, I owed about $6,000. I, I tried to figure out um, you know, 1000 to my parents and 5000 to a f- former employer. And, um, and so I was willing, you know, I was willing. I was, I was going to make that amount. I was going to pay that money back. The employer, I, I couldn't, I was looking for, the business had closed, the owners were probably dead. And um, so I was kind of trying to figure it out, and then I was kind of like, oh, $6,000, like, yeah, I didn't know exactly. I mean, I kind of, ha- you know, I'm, I'm not living pay- paycheck to paycheck, you know, I could have sold some some securities or something and, and had that money. Um, it wasn't going to devastate me, but I was, you know, I didn't have it, like, readily on hand. So I was a little bit, I knew I wanted to do it, and I was just trying to figure out how. And then I work in an industry where we get um, part of our salary, uh, part of our, is given to us in a annual bonus. And, you know, I went, my had my bonus meeting in February. My bonus was, you know, normal, like right in line what it had been pretty much the year before. Uh, no surprises there. I've worked at this company now for 17 years. But that year... And only that year. It's never happened before. It's never happened since. I got a special award from a client for exceptional service. And the award was in the amount of $10,000. When you take $10,000, you take out your taxes, you take out 401k deduction, what came into my bank account? $6,000. The exact amount that I owed 
for my financial amends. And I knew, I knew, I was like, this is, this is it. This is, I need to do this, you know. And it just reminded me, I mean, what the eighth step was, that would become willing to make amends to them all. And then I knew if I had the willingness, God would provide the way. And that's, I, whenever I get into a fear-based situation, I try to remember that story that God is there and he is going to, um, he's going to provide for us for any troubles that, that come up. So um, I thank you for allowing me to share and, uh, and just reflect on that story because it, it gives me so much, so much hope and faith and I pass. Thank you, Virginia C. Next up is Julie R., then we'll open it up again for sharing. Julie? Hi, this is Julie R., a recovered compulsive overeater in California. Um, you know, I've got several things marked in my, my big book. You know, I I didn't owe money because I've been okay financially, but what I did was manipulate money and not, you know, it was like my money, my bonuses, my thing, I'll do what I want with it, and which is, you know, still not the way to live when you're in a partnership with, with your husband. So, you know, my sponsor pointed that out. It's not that um, I was spending more than I had, but it was the way I was spending it. And, you know, I needed to go make amends to that and not just say, I'm sorry, because I don't use that word when I do amends. I had to show action um, that I wasn't going to do that. And you know, I, at times I'll fall short, but I am nothing like I was, you know, years ago. And it's interesting. They talk about the padding, the expense account, you know, I would just like round numbers up and, you know, say, Oh, it probably costs this much for this and this much for that. And, um, I would justify it because I would always bring my own foods. They, they got off really cheap, right? This was years ago, probably like 12 years. And, but, my sponsor pointed out, no, no, no. It doesn't matter that you brought your own food. You could have submitted your grocery bill from the week before. So I went to my um, director, and I've been with this company at that time for like 25 years. And I was, you know, I had to pray. And my sponsor said, how free do you want to be? Um, you need to be willing. And, you know, it could affect my reputation. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, bottom line is she, she laughed at me, but that's not the point. I had to become willing to do anything. So I took that money and I went to the grocery store and I, um, every time I saw a homeless person, I stopped and gave them food. Um, and I did that, you know, for way more than what I owed because it, it got to be a nice thing to do. So, you know, we have to go to any length if we want to have a spiritual experience. And so what does that look like? I, I had a sponsee that was getting her nails done all the time, but yet she owed quite a bit of money. And she was making just really small payments. And I said, you know, you need to look at that. You know, you're getting your nails done. That's 100 bucks a month, but you owe $10,000. And I didn't tell her she had to stop getting her nails done, but it's like, oh, pray. Are you making every effort? Are you willing to go to any length? So, you know, amends are not comfortable, and we have to clean them up and go to any length to do that. So, you know, I I'm, thank God for the 11-step nightly review, because if I miss something, I sure can clean it up right away. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Julie R. 
Okay, so we, um, if you're just joining us, we're in the, in the big book, of course, page 78, second paragraph, most alcoholics owe money, reading through three paragraphs, ending with, we must not shrink at anything, and we're sharing on all those paragraphs. Who would like to share on that? Barbara B. Sarah G. Sarah G. Anita L. Nicole P. Harlan G. Okay, let's stop there. Here's who I have so far. Barbara G, Sarah G, Lynn S, Anita, was it Anita L? Yes. Anita L, Nicole, and I didn't get your initial. Nicole, and then Harlan G. Okay. P um, is P. It is what? Uh, P. P as in Paul? Yes. Okay. So if you guys can... Um, Mute your line, star one. We will start with Barbara G, followed by Sarah G. Okay, it's Barbara B. B is in boy. This is Barbara B. Oh, sorry, Barbara. Okay. Uh, Recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. Uh, Most alcoholics owe money. Well, as an active compulsive overeater, food addict, I definitely owed money. And the things that I did in disease uh, were so similar to what I did with food, like hiding, hiding the bills that came into the family in the trunk of my car the way I used to hide food. I mean, the pattern was horrendous. And I allowed, uh, since I was doing the bills for the family, I allowed things to happen like uh, they were on the verge of shutting off the electric company because I couldn't come up with the money. I mean, I was supporting a very, very active habit. The money that I spent on food and other reckless things was draining the family's finances. And so when it came time to do the steps and get into recovery and and go through the amends, that is the changing, I can remember uh, what a come down it was in my pride to go to the local bank and had to look at all the charges from overdrawn checks and come to an arrangement with the manager um, you know, about slowly paying off the overdraft charges and calling the power company and telling them what I was doing and agree to minimal payments over a period of time. All that was such a a leveling, as it says, a leveling of my pride. And then uh, with the food down and getting in recovery, I had to also look at the fact that I was substituting spending for binging. And so when I went shopping, I couldn't just buy one item. I had to buy three for Christmas presents or whatever it was. I mean, it was totally, totally excessive, and it was only 12-step people and OA people who pointed out to me, you know, you got to get help with this now because uh, this is is not a, uh, um, you know, a benign addiction. I said, oh, this is benign. I'm not not eating such and such. So I had to... um, again, have my pride leveled and go to Debtors Anonymous and get some guidance there with all these changes. Uh, and thank God for it. Thank God for it, because it was another aspect of making my life unmanageable and another example of uh, God's grace and and the community, um, you know, bringing me to health from, from that pattern. Uh, thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. Next up is Sarah G., followed by Lynn S. This is Sarah G., um, 
compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic in uh, Tennessee. And I just wanted to, to uh, you know, I was thinking as people were speaking that I hadn't really stole, stolen money per se, but I've stolen goods which represent money. And um, so I was uh, way back when, when I was early, uh, you know, maybe in my 20s and early 30s, I worked uh, and cleaned houses. And um, I, I was told by the people there that I could, um, you know, eat whatever whatever I wanted to for lunch, but that gave me a blanket, you know, kind of, um, that was a blanket statement that sort of gave me license to eat everything that I could get my hands on. So I, um, you know, beyond just eating lunch, I would snack on this and snack on that. And um, I, tr- I made sure that I didn't eat uh, too much so that it wouldn't look like um, somebody had been in the cupboard. And I was very deceitful with that. And so when it came time to um, make amends, uh, there was no one person that I could make amends to. But what I did do is here in Nashville, there's a food bank. And um, so I made uh, I made a donation to the food bank. Uh, and I also um, donated food at Kroger. They have... Um, barrels where you can donate food for different causes and so I did that and I made reparation that way um I I didn't really know how else to do it um and I'm so grateful for this step because it really helped me look at those you know I wasn't overtly stealing but yes I was stealing and um so it helped me look at those areas where I was deceitful and um and I could have deceived myself as well without the work of the steps. So I'm so grateful for this step and for the big book and for all of you that are online. Thanks. And that, with, that, I, with that, I pass. Thank you, Sarah G. And next up is Lynn S. followed by Anita L. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. When I read that phrase in the big book, most alcoholics owe money, I was, oh, I couldn't believe it. I was so relieved. And it was just like when we read the other parts in the big book where it talked about the disease and I could identify and I said, I'm not crazy. Like I have this disease and this was, this is why I'm like this. And the same thing with this, I thought, oh my goodness, no wonder I have money problems. It's it's part of our disease, you know, and I'm so financially irresponsible just as I was emotionally irresponsible in dealing with people and and, uh, it was just such a relief so I kind of had that separate take on it and then as I grew in program and and began to understand exactly what it meant um, it sort of changed into becoming not only becoming like it wasn't just that I was going to become financially responsible but it it really struck me now, you have to pay people back. And the biggest one that I had, I guess, was my parents. But the next one was work. And I used to travel for work. And when it said padding the expense account, 
I knew that, you know, when I had to stay over, I would go to the stores and I would buy the same things that I already had and say, well, I need that to sleep over and on and on and on. And it was, that was a hard amends for me to make because my company, the president of the company so supported my OA work. He was so impressed with what was happening. And the biggest thing that I wanted him to know was that I didn't even take a paperclip from that company once I started OA but all the taking and the spending and the padding of the expense account happened before. And I remember trying to, going down to his house and, and having the check in hand and my explanation already and he wasn't home and, and coming back home and then writing that letter and leaving it in his mailbox. And I was just shaking. And when I got a call from him the next day, it was the most amazing thing. And I remember him saying to me, you know, like I... I I was so shocked when I got this from you, Lynn, and I felt so deflated, like, oh, I've let him down. And he said, I've never heard of anybody doing this. It's such a brave action. And I must admit, in the back of my head, it was $1,500, and I thought, he's going to be really impressed with me and give me the money back. And he said, I thought about giving you the money back, but my wife said it's probably part of your healing, so I'm donating it to the church. I'll never forget that, but what an experience. And, and what I'm really trying to say is it wasn't the experience so much of paying him back, but the experience of hearing most alcoholics owe money and getting the wrong end of the stick really about it, but realizing it's part of the disease. And then as I grew in recovery, it sinks in under understanding exactly what the big book is telling us to do and how to recover from this disease by taking these steps. I am ever so grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn S. Next up is Anita L., followed by Nicole P. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. And um, I wanted to share, I don't believe I've ever said this on the line before um, this story, but I have a story, too, like <laughs> we all are sharing. And um, the reason uh, I w- want to let others know is that I had so much fear to go to this um, one person. Uh, and for a good 25 years of being in OA, but also I was in other 12-step programs, Every single time we read steps eight and nine, every time I would think of this um, situation where I owed money. And finally, about 10 years ago, I was doing the steps again, and I just knew I could not ignore it any longer. And it says here, this last paragraph that was read, um, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any length, any length to find a spiritual experience, we ask, so this is my prayer, that we be given strength. So please, God, uh, grant me the strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. And um, we, you know, we may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be, or we must we must not shrink in anything and um, so uh, well you know uh, I was just so embarrassed 
I was 15 years old and I went to a sleepover camp and um, I got a job. I don't know why I even applied for it, but I was uh, working in the snack bar. Oh, what a place for a compulsive overeater. But I was working in the snack bar at night and back then I did not have any uh, boyfriend and I wanted to be popular. So what I did was I gave my friends whatever they wanted this, you know, to eat from the snack bar and I didn't charge them. And finally I got caught. And so I, I was dismissed from that position. But the thing was, um, the owner of the camp, her, uh, his daughter was in my bunk and she was my best friend. So that was one reason why I was embarrassed. Uh, here, I was in my 50s and I was going to bring up this situation. And um, even though I'm not really friendly with her any longer, just our lives are different. It Hi. would just okay, thank you. It would bring up something really difficult and so I was willing to go to any length. I made the amend the, the man was so gracious and wonderful and this is the point. The weight was lifted from me of that horrible fear and that's what it's about. Me becoming willing to go to any length and make my life better spiritually to open me to have a better relationship with my higher power. So thanks for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Anita. This next is Nicole P. followed by Harlan G. Hello, good morning. This is Nicole P. from Georgia. Um, goodness, hold on. Let me start my timer. Okay. <clears throat> I want to start off by... <laughs> What stood out? Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we are sorry, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any length. I never had a problem paying off my debts because I hate owing people. Because I grew up around people who sucked at budgeting, and so I was like, oh, I'm never going to do that. And um, if I owe any debts, I'm going to pay them off. And I'm way too frugal. And learned how to live on a tight budget. But it wasn't until an incident with my oldest brother's property in 2015 that I owed a large sum of money. And at the time when it happened, I was unemployed. And I was still on my disease, so I had every excuse as to why I couldn't pay him. Even if I had the money, I don't know if I would have. Because, I mean, my binge foods were more important than that. Um, it. My brother and I were close before this incident, and it left a strain on our relationship because I betrayed his trust. The property is one thing, but we had such a bond, and by doing that, it betrayed his trust. And I know that that hurt him more than anything. So in doing the amends, yes, I'm paying him back for the property, but what I'm really doing is rebuilding our trust and our bond. And three weeks ago, I told him, I'll start paying you um, X amount of dollars out of my check biweekly. And I, you know, I owned my part, didn't make any excuses, forget about what the other person and I did. This is not about the other person. This is about what I did. You entrusted this property to me. This is how I'm going to make it up to you. 
And through my actions, I've let that do the talking. And he's appreciated me for it. And uh, a current thing happened where I had a balance at the cashier's office at my university. And I remembered that before program, I would have been like, oh, let me just manipulate. I'll get mom and dad. They'll pay it for me. And I can just hold on to my money. And I said, I'm not, I'm not where I was before. I'm going to pay this off myself. This is part of being an adult. It's not mom and dad's job. It's my job. And it, I took a financial hit for it, but I am so thankful because it was worth every single penny, and I'd do it again. Um, at, uh, making the first amends a week ago to my brother, I got that same feeling. It's like he, those words he told me, I really appreciate that. After that, it's like, I was like, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that. But it's like, oh, him saying that means thank you, Nicole, for owing your word. Thank you, Nicole, for not just talking. Thank you for showing me you, you're willing to repair our relationship. And what I got from all of this is I have gone to any lengths, and it's really given me a newfound freedom. And whenever I couldn't pay them, I didn't make excuses. I said, okay, I am going to pay you. Until then, okay, thank you. Until I can, I'm going to do this. I'm going to come and do yard work. I'm going to come and give you rides. I'm going to just give you some of my time, which is priceless. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole P. Next up is Harlan G. Good morning, Kelly, and thank you to Team Thursday. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, my my amends were money amends. I didn't kiss anybody's girlfriend. I didn't kiss anybody's wife or anything like that. That that was never my fate. My amends were money amends. I've had my car repossessed a couple of times. I have been in trouble with the federal government and the state of Illinois for not paying income tax. And I was always scared to death to pay the money back. And that's why I had a lien on step 10 quite a bit during the process of step nine. But one amends jumps to the surface in my memory all the time. And it was, a, it was to an endodontist in Chicago whose office was about a block from where I went to high school. I went to Mather High School on the north side. And this was an endodontist that I was sent to in the um, 80s, early 80s, when regular dentists didn't do root canal. And they would send you to these guys. And the first thing this guy says to me, first thing he says to me is, my God, how much do you weigh? And he says to me, how in the world did you get so fat? He says, how in the, what do you eat for breakfast? What do you eat for lunch? He says, you've got to lose weight. You've got to go on a diet. What in the world is wrong with you? And then he says to me, I'm really, and he, his face is two inches from my face because he's doing root canal on my tooth. Now I'm shut down emotionally and my my jaw, my gums are numb because, you know, they numb you up with Novocaine. And he says, I'm afraid you're going to break my chair. My chair only goes up to, to 300 pounds. He says, my God, how much do you weigh? And sure enough, as fate would have it, his chair broke while I was sitting on it. Now he's screaming at me and screaming at his daughter for taking the appointment 
and screaming at his daughter never to take an appointment for me again. As long as I live, I am never to darken their door again. And he says, you've got to go on a diet. And he finally finished with my food. And I'm embarrassed as hell because everybody in the office can hear what he's saying and everybody in the office knows that I'm fat. Like they, like they wouldn't know just from, you know, looking at me when I was, I was probably 550, 600 pounds at this time. And I had very good insurance then, but my copay on the visit was $62. Well, I had screwed a lot of people out of money, so you know what this guy can do for $62. A couple of years later, I'm in really good recovery. And I keep getting down because I'm reworking the steps. I had started all over again as well I should have. And I keep getting to this amend, and I really don't want to make this amend. I just don't feel like I want to make this amend. And my sponsor just hounded the daylights out of me. So one day, after I had made a ton more amends, I did a 10 step on this. I went to the bank, got $62, and I paid his daughter the money. He had died. I never felt so close to God in my life. I owned my amends. I made my amends. He had passed away. I made the amends to the daughter. I could barely eat dinner that night. That's how interested in food I was. I was just, I was, I had a spiritual awakening that day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harlan. We have time for one more share. Who would like to Elise? Elise? Yeah, thank you. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, my name's Elise. I'm a recovered anorexic, bulimic, and compulsive overeater. Um, and I'm really grateful for um, everyone's shares. <laughs> um, I guess um, one thing that has, you know, become a part of my recovery um, is um, also looking at amends and financial amends, but amends in general. Um, um, in terms of like, like for instance, I like a bargain. <laughs> um, but what is the impact of that um, on the greater environment? And um, you know, when I buy something, um, you know, how is it made? Um, what lives has it impacted? How has it impacted nature? Um, because. Um, Currency isn't just um, money, um, and everything everything that I do um, has an impact. So my life as um, someone living in Western um, um, urban <laughs> industrialized culture um, has a far-reaching impact, not just on myself, my family, my community, um, but the resources that I use um, impacts indigenous people in, the, in, you know, living all over the world, impacts, um, you know, people in many, many different countries. So um, f- for me, um, healing and um, recovering from an eating disorder has been um you know, both an individual process, but also this, you know, reconnecting to, you know, community and to great spirit, higher power, God, um, 
and to nature and the wider world and realizing um you know becoming right sized and i think part of part of that right size and part of why we make these amends is so that we do feel that alignment and so that we do feel that guidance and flow and connection and belonging in our lives and um part of that connection and belonging um for me feels like living in an alignment with of with a reciprocal relationship which means um love and care and seeing how much um the world cares for and gives to me um how much nature gives to me how you know everything that we use as human beings comes from plants and animals um and so what where am i in in that balance with that relationship where am i how how do i demonstrate my care and respect and love for nature and for cultures thank you and for um the environment so thank you very much Thank you so much. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's see here. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, August 3rd, is 10234. All right. Well, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer, and will Rebecca B., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, hi. Rebecca B. from Boston, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.